Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new and settling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This story happened relatively recently, and I'm hoping there's a technical explanation for it. So here goes. I manage a small team of four people. Three of them were working in the office with me one day, while the fourth was working from home. Let's call her Lisa. There was nobody else in the office, so we were the only people on site. We held a team meeting in the conference room and connected with Lisa on Microsoft Teams so she'd be included. My laptop was plugged into a large TV monitor so I could share my screen as well as the audio. Towards the end of the meeting, I asked if anyone had any questions. There was silence in the conference room and silence on Teams. Amidst the silence, we hear a faint voice say, I don't understand. It sounded like a small child fussing. All eyes in the conference room darted around, although it was clear that the sound came from the TV. Lisa has a five-year-old daughter, so I laughed and said, Hey, Lise, is your daughter trying to join the meeting? To our surprise, she goes, She isn't home. She's at school. Stunned, all of us in the conference room exchange glances. Lisa then says, Wait, that voice didn't come from the conference room? I explained that the four of us were the only ones here, and that Lisa was the only one on the team session. We all agreed on the phrase we heard, and that it sounded like a young, cranky child. Lisa was home alone. The rest of us were all alone in the office. No other devices were connected to the TV, and nobody had any other devices out during the meeting that would explain the voice. There were no other programs open on my or Lisa's laptops during the meeting. We were all sober, alert, and oriented, yet we all heard the same thing. Has anyone else experienced a disembodied voice on a web conference? Maybe hacking or signal interference? Either way, whatever it was, it was creepy as hell to hear in the middle of a workday. This happened to me a few years back. I was living on my own in the city and was unemployed at the time, usually out looking for work and trying to keep myself busy. One early afternoon, 
I was heading back to my neighborhood after running some errands downtown and boarded a tram that would take me almost all the way home. There was a park that I would have to cross between the stop and my house, but crossing it would only take a few minutes. So I board the tram, which was mostly empty. Besides me, there was one younger man in the second carriage and the driver up front in the first. I find an empty two-seater. The rows are quite narrow, but I'm comfortable enough. I put my earbuds in and look out the window as we start moving out of downtown and towards home. We pass a couple of stops and don't pick up any new passengers. There had probably been a tram right in front of us who took all of the people, so it was particularly empty compared to normal. At the third stop, though, the doors open behind me. I don't pay it much mind until a stocky man, average height, probably in his 50s, with neat, short hair, and an inconspicuous-looking outfit suddenly sit down on the seat next to me. Now this is very strange. We're in a country where social conventions dictate that you don't sit next to someone on public transport unless there are no other options left. And given that the rows are very narrow, this guy is basically trapping me where I'm at. I can't get past him without his cooperation. He greets me with a huge smile and says hi as he sits down. As women, we know the risks of rejecting men and are conditioned to be pleasant for society and for our own safety. But on this particular day, being down about not finding work and it being broad daylight, I decide that I don't want to play along. I just want to listen to my music and I don't like this man's vibe. I tell him that I'm not in the mood to talk and that he needs to go sit somewhere else. Wrong answer. This man goes from zero to a hundred in 0.2 seconds, and his face contorts with rage as he starts yelling at me from the top of his lungs. You're a terrible person. You don't clean yourself, and you stink of sweat. I didn't, but he did. He goes on and on about what an abomination of a person I am, and I have sort of a freeze reaction. Inside, I'm getting very scared. I start looking for a way out, but I'm trapped. I look over to the young man who's no more than a dozen feet away, hoping that he'll come to my rescue. I can tell that he's hoping to stay out of it, but after I've been screamed at for maybe two whole minutes, he finally says meekly, you better calm down, which of course doesn't help at all. So he just gives up and goes back to whatever he was doing, probably just looking at his phone. My next hope is that the driver might react as he has a clear view to the back of the tram and there's no way he's not hearing what's going on. But again, nothing. The stocky man, maybe frustrated that I'm not reacting to his insults, escalates the abuse and starts screaming that he's going to kill me. At this point I have to do something, and unconsciously, I decide that the only way is to go through him. I'm so done with this situation, so before I even realize what I'm doing, I get up and push right past him. It was pure survival instinct in the moment. Scared that he's going to follow me, I move quickly towards the front of the tram. He gets up and does just that, following me, all red-faced, shouting how he knows where I live and that I need to clean myself behind my ears, that I stink and he's going to f***ing kill me. Again, the driver does nothing. As we pull up to the next stop, which is a stop before mine, 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I wait until the very last moment before I ask the driver to let me out the front door, which he does. I slip out quickly in hope of escaping without being followed. I don't dare take the time to look over my shoulder. I just hurry down the steps and away from the stop. I'm so scared, and only when the tram has left the station do I take a second to look around me and notice that he's not there. A brief sense of relief washes over me before I start worrying that he's going to get off at the next stop, which is normally mine, and that he will be waiting for me there. It should come as no surprise that I don't want this guy to follow me through the park or to know where I live. So I spend a good hour just walking around, trying to get my nerve system out of panic mode and stay close to shops where there are other people around before I finally decide to make my way home. So this one time that I put my own comfort and needs before those of a stranger and didn't reject him in a pleasant and non-confrontational manner, I learned that this is like playing Russian roulette and I got the bullet. I learned that you can't count on the kindness of strangers. In the company of cowards, you're simply on your own. Never saw that man again, but if I were ever to catch whiff of him anywhere near me, I would surely change my travel plans in the moment and exit whatever tram, train, or bus I found myself in. I never want to feel that feeling of being trapped by that smelly man ever again. This one time, I was walking home from the train station after I spent the weekend at my aunt's house. It was about 11 p.m. and very dark outside. When I was almost home, I noticed a guy on crutches in front of me who was walking the same direction and then stopped every couple of meters to turn around and look at me before continuing to walk. Since he was walking with a limp, I quickly passed him. When I did, he stopped walking and grinned at me in a very creepy manner. I kept moving, since I lived in an apartment over a burger restaurant. For a moment, I considered to ask one of the employees to walk with me to my front door, because to get to the entrance of the apartment, you had to walk around the building into a dark court. I didn't end up asking, though, because I thought, what could possibly happen? The guy's on crutches, and I didn't want to come across as childish. So I was walking through the court of our house and wanted to pull out my keys while walking. Suddenly, I couldn't find them in my handbag. I realized then that I had thrown them somewhere into my travel bag because I didn't want to risk losing them while I was at my aunt's. So, still standing in the middle of the court... I had to search the whole travel bag for that damn key. I was so caught up by the whole search that I totally forgot about the creepy guy that I had just encountered. When I finally pulled the key out of the bag, I looked up, and the creepy guy from before was standing right in front of me, grinning. I always thought in a situation like this that I'd start screaming, but instead, I couldn't get myself to make any sound at all. With the keys in my hand, I started running to the front door. I opened it 
and jumped inside the house. The guy, still walking with a limp, followed me as fast as he could. Luckily, due to his injury, he just wasn't as fast as me. Unfortunately for me, though, our front door was one of those doors that slowly fall into the lock automatically, and when you try to push them to make them shut quicker, it pressures back at you and stops you from slamming it. So there I was, trying to push the door into the lock, while Creepy Guy was on his way to follow me into the house. Just as his hand was set to reach the door, it fell into the lock. Through the glass, we just looked at each other, both breathing heavily from the race, a look of disappointment spreading quickly across his face. I quickly ran upstairs to my apartment and locked myself in. Later that night, I looked outside my window to see that same man walking up and down the road in front of the house. He stayed there for about three to four hours after the incident. I can't tell you what it was that made me not call the cops. I guess I was like, after all, nothing happened. What could they do about it? After that, I didn't feel safe in my house anymore because I knew that he knew where I lived. I only left my apartment when being picked up or dropped off and made sure to be home before it was turning dark every day for the next two weeks. Finally, I did decide to go to the police and tell them about it to ask whether they can keep a special eye on the neighborhood for a bit. I went to the police station and the way it transpired was exactly how I feared it would. They took notes and said, mm, we can't really do anything about this now. You should have called before, but we'll make a note of it. A couple days passed, and suddenly I get a call back from another police officer who asked me a lot about what happened. He then tells me that they've been looking for the guy on crutches for months already because he had assaulted several girls in our town, followed them into their apartments, and even slept on their doorsteps. He had been in police custody before, got out, and violated his probation. He had some kind of mental illness, although this wasn't an excuse for his behavior. The police officer told me to immediately call in case the guy showed up again. He luckily never did. It was only then that I understood the seriousness of the situation and realized that I most likely escaped an attempted assault in some sort of way, by no more than an inch. I, in a way, really didn't believe myself that the whole thing had actually happened before the police guy called me back. This was five years ago, but I still think about it from time to time, and it still gives me the utter creeps. Sometimes I kick myself for not going to the police right away, but then in other times, I'm just glad that I didn't do a better job at hiding my keys from myself that night.